Welcome to this episode of the For the Kingdom, Not the Brand podcast. And in this episode, I want to finally finish this mini-series, if you even want to call it that, of why we all need systematic theology. I've been delaying this episode for a while, both in part to procrastination and also because it seemed like I wasn't making any headway uh, content-wise while making the script. Um, the creative juices and neurons just weren't like um, firing and really connecting, so to speak. And so I've, I've been putting this off for way longer than I would ever care to admit. Um, I think it was after the first days of the mission trip to campus with the on-campus ministry I'm involved with here in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, it was after those days where I was able to, um, I feel like I have enough real-world experience, if you can call it that, uh, to talk about how we need systematic theology in terms of how it applies to our current walk with Christ. And I believe I said this in part one, um, for those who don't know, the word theology from its roots literally means the knowledge of God, theo and logos. And I think that true biblical theology differs from what non-believers usually think of theology. When others or even some of us think about uh, the word theology, we think of merely an intellectual exercise done by scholars or those really super Christians. But it is necessary that all of us grow in the grace and knowledge of God with the foundation in the Word of God. Um, a systematic theology itself should be rooted in Scripture. And as we go forward in our understanding of theological knowledge, we should be more and more aware of how much we need to go back to the Word continually in order to understand theological concepts. Theology textbooks are not inerrant, infallible, and divinely inspired. Scripture, meanwhile, is inerrant, infallible, and divinely inspired. Systematic theology, as stated in uh, Part 1, simply tries to place the Word of God in a comprehensive unit. And I think another thing that is so fundamentally important um, in our understanding of systematic theology is that unlike what many agnostics or the average deist today tends to believe about God, we do have a God, the triune true God who we can have a relationship with. He is the one who seeks us out. He is the one who came down as truly God and truly man. He is the friend of sinners while at the same time the enemy of sinners who took on the wrath of the Father on our behalf so that we may be reconciled to the Father, to a holy God. He rose again on the third day, gives us new life, uh, 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 it gives us new life through the Spirit, and he, and he imputes His righteousness to us when we put our faith in Him. As I somewhat alluded to, this, uh, this pursuit of systematic theology is not an intellectual exercise. Eric Tonis of Biola University makes it clear that cynicism in theology is a big issue. When we learn more about theology, this is ultimately a form of humble worship of God, and we should never get over about the basics of the faith, which are the very foundations of systematic theology. I've fallen, I've, I've fallen into the trap of wanting to throw around theological mumbo-jumbo to impress people, but I will say that it only fed my pride and I missed out on the beauty of worshiping God through my life knowing that I had a better understanding of Him my freshman year of college. Far more 
like much like my understanding of God in my freshman year of college was light years ahead of my knowledge of him my senior year of high school. Yes, my theological understanding grew exponentially, but it took me a while for my maturity to catch up. And the final note that I want to make before diving into the meat of the episode is that the prerequisite of growing in the knowledge and grace of God through theology is that we should truly know Him and that He knows us. To truly understand theology, to understand the beauty of it and not treat it like an intellectual exercise, examine yourself. Are you truly saved? As you stand before Him, you... The you are only able to get into heaven because of his work, not how much work you put in trying to memorize certain doctrines. At the end of the day, this is all his work and all of his grace, and he is the one who saved you. You, we cannot save ourselves. And with that out of the way, I want to f- dive in finally into the meat of part two of why all of us Christians need to have a systematic theology. And the first point that I want to make is that it deepens our walk with Christ. And I'm going to list out the ways it can happen. This is not a comprehensive list of examples by any means, but I think it can be helpful to anyone listening in who is doubtful about the benefits of systematic theology. In a sense, it it equips us with more wisdom and discernment when it comes to what I call a fad Uh, doctrines, weird teachings, or just outright heresy. I do want to say as well that ultimately the Spirit does provide discernment, and He convicts us or warns us when there is something off about a certain teaching or even a certain Bible teacher, but it is still fundamentally necessary that we as Christians understand systematically who God is so, so that we don't get pulled into false or weird theology. And I'll try to be as gracious as I can towards this topic, but a big example of using discernment with an odd doctrine is is just about the topic of, you know, um, in the charismatic movement, there's this doctrine of uh, speaking in tongues and baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to go off on a tangent about this, but speaking in tongues, when we have a biblical view it is the speaking of different language, uh, different languages that we don't naturally speak, not ecstatic utterances, a gibberish. And also there's, there's no mention of baptism of the Spirit in Scripture, although there is definitely mention of baptism in the Spirit or with the Spirit, which occurs at the moment of salvation slash actual belief. Another example is, is just of understanding the beauty of God's providence and sovereignty in our lives. Um, yes, we can see this as we reflect on our lives after He has saved us. Um, and yet at the same time, I, I, I also want to say that growing in our knowledge of God's providence and His sovereignty can give us a sense of wonder even as we read the biblical stories. Even in the midst of apostasy in Israel, of Israel in the Old Testament, the fall, the uh, death of Christ, and going on to Revelation in the future— God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit is in control of the situation, and God will win at the end. And and it gives us a further sense of peace, knowing that we don't just believe in a vague being who we think is sort of kind of in control in the vast array of nonsense that is going on in the world. And growing in our systematic theology deepens our walk with Christ also 
by equipping us to lead others in the faith to grow in the knowledge and grace of God and subsequently also discernment. Although I, I definitely regret the times in my freshman year that I used my theological knowledge to, to feed my pride or, impress pe- or, or to try to impress people, namely my pastors. I'm also thankful that I have this knowledge as I'm now a connection group uh, leader and, and I'm hoping that I can use the knowledge that I have to walk with my guys and really help them as they're struggling with the deeper questions of the faith. And, we're, and when they're battling with certain doctrines, by the grace of God, I can walk with them and point to them the beauty of blank doctrine and show how the word of God points to it. And... I think there's another important thing that we have to keep in mind as well, that there is encouragement and patience to this. And our goal of discipleship isn't to pummel people with doctrine. And and it's it's unfortunate that people do use discipleship as a means to just pummel people with, to just pummel people with um, a doctrine or to just constantly barrage their heads with, um, you know, um, a, the, a, the, a theological mumbo jumbo that doesn't really like result to anything, and it's just an intellectual exercise every single meeting, and and I think that's a big result of our fallen state, especially in that aspect. And um, and I think as Eric, Eric Tonis also points out, we aren't really good at encouraging, or or. Or, or at times where we aren't great at rebuking either. And the last example that I want to make in this uh, um, uh, point is that it teaches us how to respond to events and ever-present issues brought up in politics, um, or if you're in a or 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 if you're currently a student classes. Um, a big example of a political issue these days. Um, well, was the Roe v. Wade overrule. And I've heard hundreds of young women chant abortion is not a sin around the Capitol building here in Madison. And I just can't say enough how heartbreaking and spiritually dark it was when I heard that back in May. Yet as we have a proper systematic theology, we as Christians can be equipped to, to respond with godly compassion with the gospel while also understanding where these people um where where these people who are pro-choice are coming from this ultimately isn't a political issue but a soul issue this is inherently about a sinful mankind going against the idea of every human being being a fellow image bearer of god even the ones in the womb and rate and and mankind raises its fist at god even though we are inherently creatures from the dirt we have a sin nature, and our sin corrupts us and forms a chasm between us and God that needs reconciliation. And if there is no, and if there is no kind of reconciliation, there is eternal condemnation. And with our knowledge of this, instead of just being prideful and starting a, sh- a shouting match against other people in the opposite camp, we can go forward with compassion and wisdom and gospel witness. And speaking of gospel witness, systematic theology can also help us in the avenue of our walk with Christ. I ascribe to the Reformed uh, uh, doctrines. A lot of people call it Calvinism. I'm not a big fan of that. Personally prefer the terms uh, Reformed or Augustinianism. But 
anyway, um, and so as I've grown more in understanding God's sovereignty in salvation, the better equipped um, I actually am for evangelism. Since God is the one who saves, we cannot force people to believe. And there is an increased understanding of our responsibility to plant seeds or water seeds. But we can have the peace going forward that ultimately God provides the growth. And I'm sure that there will be growing pains there as well, though. Um, I, I will say that it, it is very easy to feel like we haven't done enough to make a person respond to the gospel. But there is a sense in which our faithfulness one day will be rewarded since we were willing to trust God and go out to establish relationships and share the truth. And the last point that I want to make before I close is that systematic theology gives us a foundation of knowledge of our condemnation outside of Christ and that ultimately he is the only thing that matters in eternity. It ultimately prevents us from accidentally switching from a therapeutic gospel to a social justice gospel or whatever the theological fad of the day is. Ultimately, we should be knowledgeable of the Word of God, how it relates in, in the larger themes of Scripture and the gospel. This combined with our personal relationship with Christ will fill us, and we can be poured out as a drink offering for others and go out into our communities in order to share the good news. We have the good news that can change generations in an instant, so why would we ever try to hide it from everyone else? That's really something to think about. Catch y'all on the next episode. Peace.